Hey friends, before we start the show, I wanted to introduce you guys to EM Media and Video. They are local to Philadelphia. They are great for filming video productions for commercials, and they do audio voiceovers for radio commercials as well, amongst a slew of other helpful promotional production needs. So if you want to reach out to them, call 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Nintendo, surviving on stereotypes for over 30 years. Today on the show, I want to talk about little d depression versus capital D depression, and really defining what those two things are. And I think defining those things can really help us understand and have respect for when we are going through our version of each, or experiencing other people going through their version of each. And uh, we really break down how lowercase d depression is all about neuroses and how we have a lot of control within lowercase d depression. But if we don't properly manage that, then we can get to capital D depression, which can lead to issues where we have to have a little bit more help clinically, medically, and, um, you know, go through some, some really big trials there. So we're going to talk about all about that, including some some motivational stuff by the end of this episode and uh, celebrating episode 300 and talking a little bit about where this show is going and sharing our new website and all that fun stuff. So welcome to the show. Enjoy yourselves. Sit back. Enjoy the ride. And uh, let's hit the button and do the thing here on Dopamine. Let's go. Drums, please. <laughs> Hello friends, C-Note here, welcome to Dopamine, hope you guys are doing well, welcome to episode 3 hundred that's pretty cool I, I i didn't really think about it until i like copied the file over and changed the number to episode 300 i was like oh all right 300 episodes that's pretty cool <laughs> uh, i mean i've done a lot of recording i've done this over the past uh i don't know how how long now since uh mid 2017 so a few years almost two years i've been podcasting um three years since I've been podcasting. Actually, I had a comedy show before this one, uh, that, um, didn't do very well. (laughs) I was trying to do like a daily show kind of podcast situation and it was just kind of weird. And I don't know, I, I, through that show, actually, I ended up learning that doing sort of written stuff doesn't really work for me that I'm so much better at improving and figuring out, like if I have a beacon of what it is that I want to talk about, I can expand from there. But if I'm trying to do like written jokes and punchlines. Uh, I was just, I was not great at that. And, and it doesn't help that like my, my voice is very monotone. Like I think I'm inflecting, but it doesn't sound that much different, especially when I listen back to it. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm still just kind of staying in the same timbre pretty much the whole time. So 
that doesn't really help for joke delivery. <laughs> I mean, it helps in um, improv joke delivery, but not written joke delivery. You know, it really depends on what it is that you're talking about. Um, but finding that is, is a bit of a challenge if you're someone like me that has a, a bit of a, you know, a monotone voice situation. Um, but anyway, I hope you guys are doing okay. Welcome to episode 300 of Dopamine. And as this show starts to evolve, I want to share with you guys that we have a website now. If you go to dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E dot life, which is also linked in the description, I think, maybe, possibly, I don't know, whatever, you can go check it out. <laughs> and uh, the website is going to have exclusive blog content. There's nothing up there at the moment, but as I progress, I'm going to add more written word content. And you can also listen to the show directly on that website. Uh, I will have, I'm going to add links to where the show can be found and we're going to expand content on that uh, website as we go forward. But I'm really, really happy that the website exists and it only took 300 episodes to get there. (laughs) So there we go. We have a website, dopamine.life, and um, you'll be able to subscribe to the newsletter there and all of that stuff and try to, basically, I want to be able to continue to communicate with you guys directly, meaning I don't know who any of you are. I've met a few people who have come up to me and said, like, I love your show, which is great. I'm super excited about that. But I want to kind of develop a little bit of a community around this so that I can know who's listening and kind of help people individually with their situations and their stories, share stories, stuff like that. So, you know, after 300 episodes, I think it's time to finally connect with people. (laughs) It took, you know, I'm an INTP. It takes a while to want to connect with human beings. Um, So that's why we're doing this. Uh, So just last week I was in DC and uh, being a part of the uh, personality hacker profiler training. And I was basically the digital producer, which by the way, is a new title that I'm going by. So things are changing a little bit on all levels uh, for me. And um, so I'm going by digital producer, which it's the same thing as a multimedia designer, just a different fancier title. And I just like that because it kind of gives you a little bit better of a sense of what it is that I do. Um, But it still leaves plenty of room for me to explain in more detail what it is that I do. So I was at that event doing digital production. I was essentially filming video and capturing audio and um, preparing all sorts of marketing material for them post-show. And um, we did that all week. But I'd also, you know, I'm a typology person. Like, I really enjoy it. I talk about it on Twitter all the time. Um, Bit of an influencer in that area. So it's really exciting to be a part of that. And being a part of that really made me think about this concept that I really want to talk about today as I get five minutes into the episode. Um, (laughs) um, the, The idea of little d depression versus capital D depression. Now, Most of the time, like I've noticed that the pattern of people that were at that event were people who felt like the world had let them down. And a lot of people get into typology or into type systems or personality development of some kind because they felt like they needed something that their world just didn't give them, whether it's their parents or the school system or uh, some sort of, you know, cultural upbringing or something just didn't match their personality. And they felt that, you know, life just let them down in some capacity or another. And it is frustrating to see that, but it's also it also brings about a really interesting way to sort of separate these ideas of little d depression versus big d depression. And this is not like new information. This is almost just a new way to frame it because human neuroses is typically the result of 
you know, you can be a mentally healthy person, but you can still experience mental neuroses in terms of generalized anxiety and, um, you know, having a fixation on a behavior or uh, some sort of control issue or something like that, like plenty of issues that are not mental illnesses, right? And I felt that a lot of people, there were probably some people in that group that were experiencing some sort of mental illness that they weren't speaking about, but there were plenty of people in that group who were just having to manage their own neuroses and wanting to, or managing neuroses of the people around them and experiencing that. So for me, I found that by witnessing that and talking to all sorts of people, it helped me differentiate the two things, little D depression and big D depression. Now, little D depression is, and and really before, actually, before I launch into it, I, the reason that I want to separate the two is because depression as a term, as a, as a whole is something that is confusing for a lot of people. I think we or actually it's really it's probably the opposite. People feel like they know what depression is, uh, but it seems to have multiple definitions without anyone really realizing it. You know, a lot of people think that depression is the same thing across the spectrum of depression, meaning short-term depression in relation to a major loss or um sickness or losing a job or some sort of life event is the same as clinical long-term chemical depression. It's not the same thing, but they're interchangeable in the modern world. Essentially people look at it as the same thing in the same way that we, the same way that we look at the word love as the same thing, right? When you're talking about, I love my wife and I love cheeseburgers. Like, (laughs) you know, is it the same? It's the same word to describe two very different things. Right. So that's really what I'm thinking about or trying to convey when I'm talking about little D depression versus capital D depression. So little D depression for me encompasses all of the things that we're trying to utilize typology for that is to help people manage their neuroses, high functioning types of depression or managing situations that, um, that, that they can usually either confront or a conflict or, uh, go to therapy for in a short, in, in short bursts, meaning that if something happened in their life, like they experienced a major loss where they went through uh, a major event and the potentially traumatizing event that may not may or may not lead to longer term issues like PTSD or something like that. But in the immediate short term, you can address these issues as little d depression. And that typically means that you as a person have a little bit more control over managing your day to day life, like you can still function, right? You can still function as a person. And you, you have to essentially, but you can still function as a person and you can manage your neuroses through learning systems like typology or learning how to resolve conflict with family or learning how to have better discussions or just learning how to be more social or, you know, learning how to manage money. So you're experiencing less stress over time, stuff like that, right? Little D depression encompasses all of those things. And little D depression is typically what a lot of people are going to podcasts like this for. Like little D depression could probably be a little bit more about, you know, what it is that I talk about on this show. And in relation to creativity in particular, like trying to help people continue to have a creative career while dealing with high functioning stress and neuroses and all of these things that they're, that we're dealing with challenges with, right? All of those challenges that like someone like Brene Brown or uh, Liz Gilbert or 
anyone who's like a motivational speaker, Seth Godin, Gary Vee, like all these people that are helping people navigate life and sort of working through all of the neuroses that we're dealing with in life. Uh, you know, and even the typology people, you know, you've got personality hacker, they are helping people with little D depression in most cases, manage their neuroses through understanding their function stack by understanding their cognitive functions, their four letter code, what it means to themselves and what it means in relation to other people and understanding other people to have more respect for other people and learning in as a result of all of that to let things go that don't need to be embraced. And there are plenty of things that, you know, we're all experiencing in life that lead to intense amounts of stress, like money issues, relationship issues, um, career based stuff. Those are like really the three biggest things. And you can kind of expand from there, but they all kind of stem from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, safety and security, love and belonging, self-esteem, like all of those things are all in relation to pre-actualization stuff that everyday humans experience. And I think that's an important thing to discuss in relation to, you know, the world at large. I think, I think we reserve depression for the mentally ill. And depression is something that everyone experiences some version of, whether it's through stress or, you know, like all of these things that I mentioned before, some form of neuroses. And you may not even label it as depression, but I think it still kind of fits within this sphere of little d depression as something that is manageable. Because I think even high functioning depression is like some mood disorders or some aspects of mood disorders, I should say, are manageable. ADHD is somewhat manageable. While those things kind of straddle the line a little bit in terms of being, you know, needing medication to manage it, these are still things that with good habits and behaviors, you can manage often the same way that you can with medication, right? If you're living, a, you just have to do it with more of a fine tooth comb to, you know, take care of yourself more finely. What I mean by that is, you know, for me as a person with cyclothymia, like I can have better management of my mood cycles if I'm taking care of my body, eating good food, getting enough sleep and making sure all of my needs are met. I just have a greater sensitivity to making sure that my needs are met. Whereas there are other people in life that can go much further along with making sure that their needs are not met in such a strict way. Meaning like if you're eating unhealthy for a little while, it's like a skinny person that doesn't get fat. <laughs> it's like you're eating unhealthy for a long time, but it'll eventually catch up to you in some sh some way, shape or form. It just doesn't show up immediately. For me, if I'm not eating well, like I blow up really quickly, right? So I need to be more diligent with making sure that I'm taking care of my body, which is why I've had a hard time with taking care of my body. <laughs> and um, as a result, you know, that affects my mood disorder, that affects my ability to function in life day in and day out. So all of that, because it is something that at least there are some aspects of it that are manageable and I have conscious awareness of it and I can make changes and I can grow over time and develop. That is why that falls under little D depression, right? So like another example is if you experience the loss of a loved one, someone passes away and you are experiencing short term depression. Um, and there are basically two main ways that you go about it. You go towards it and you talk to family and you mourn and you talk to a therapist or and you work through all of the issues and, and dealing with mortality and the stress that comes with it and reconciling with the fact that this person's not around anymore and all of that stuff. You go towards it and you work through it and you come out the other side a better person. 
or you can go through intense avoidance and just try to pretend life is normal and um, not face your issues and all of that stuff. That can eventually lead to capital D depression of chemical things that you don't, that are going to be much more of a challenge to manage day in and day out, that you're going to have to go through lots of therapy. You're going to have to go through probably some sort of medication and that could lead to bigger cognitive issues down the line. So Another way to look at this is like little D depression is the stuff that we're able to manage and capital D depression is the stuff that we definitely need help with, right? Capital D depression is like bipolar disorder, like full blown bipolar one and two, um, you know, some of the disorders that, you know, like psychotic stuff and things that are much less uh, in our conscious awareness and things that we have to get help for. And maybe go to a mental hospital or maybe go to a uh, therapist for a long period of time or get medication for. These are things that, you know, that these are just that we can't just make life changes, like little life changes. We can't just eat better and manage the symptoms, right? Which is going to be a part of it, but it's not that, you know, we need more help than that, right? Or we might not be able to develop the discipline on our own to be able to do that on our own. Like we need, we need some sort of external force to manage that on our behalf. Right. So, um, I'm going to take a quick break while, um, I'm about the halfway mark here and, uh, we'll continue on this topic. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. All right. Throwing some jazzy, classy music on there for you. I'm doing laundry, so I'm like checking my thing while I'm doing this. All right, I got 33 minutes left. That's plenty of time. We are good. Um, so, I mean, there's not too much more to say on this topic, honestly. I just think it's something that helps to define a little bit further what this show is and what a lot of media out there around these topics are all about, right? Because I, I think it's it's a challenge to talk about depression in a way that 
is giving people a sense of autonomy that you can actually manage your life while also recognizing that there are things that people cannot do that for, right? Uh, I hear the common logical argument that, you know, if you don't think about it, then it's not going to manifest itself, right? That you can eventually think about this as like, yes, it's eventually curable and you should not attach your identity to this. And I think, yes, you should not attach your identity to mental illness. Like you are not, you are not a, uh, a starving, creative, uh, uh, struggling, like depressed artist. Like there was the whole emo phase in the early 2000s, but I think that was an Enneagram 4 thing. I don't think that was an actual people expressing their depression in healthy ways, right? It's, it's, it's very different <laughs> than that. Um, it's, it's about, you know, understanding that there are just, there are clear differences, right? If you're experiencing mental illness in a way that is affecting your life in an uncontrollable ways, then you're going to need some help. And even with little D depression, you're going to need some help. Like you're going to need some help to recognize the difference between the two. And I'm only saying this to you because maybe you've never gone down this rabbit hole. Maybe you haven't experienced depression or extreme neurotypical or, or neuroses rather. Um, but I think we've all experienced some form of neuroses, whether or not we're aware of it, right? We experience some form of, um, you know, we, we all lose things. Like we all have stress, have, have had stress around money at some point in our lives. Like whether it's having too much money or too little money, <laughs> like there's still stress around that. Um, you know, there are situations where people have stress about like finding a partner or getting the job you want or getting the job interview, right? Like there's, these are things that we're experiencing stress. And sometimes we don't realize how we're experiencing prolonged stress in relation to our career and what we're trying to do. So one of the things I'm trying to do on this show is trying to define that a little bit better that I'm talking about little D depression when I'm helping people through a lot of these issues, because I cannot fix clinical big D issues, right? And I think we as a society, as creators, as as mentors, as uh, podcasters, as media creators, need to maybe do a little bit of a better job of expressing that we are not able to fix people, but we are able to help people find ways to manage themselves. And that's really what I'm talking about with little D depression. And this show in particular, I want to move towards um, not talking about mental health explicitly as much, but given this is the 300th episode, I think it's important to talk about this topic because I think it describes a fork in the road that's coming forth with how I'm approaching this. Because as I mentioned not too long ago, I am doing what I can to not self-identify as a cyclothymic person. Like I have cyclothymia, but I am not a depressed person, right? I have joy in my life. I'm very happy, but there are chemical imbalances that I'm managing all the time and that I need to manage through my, my circadian rhythm, managing my, um, my focus, my attention around people, co my cognitive functions, uh, my introversion, protecting how I feed my body and making sure I'm getting enough water and stuff like that. And, um, you know, being able to thrive as a creative person, as a result of all of that, right? So managing all of those pieces and learning how to manage and share the management of all of those pieces so that I can be a creative person. And going forth on this show, I want to talk less about mental health explicitly, but and more about how I manage that mental health to have a creative career. Because I think 
supporting creative professionals is really what this is all about because you know that's just what I've done my entire life I've been supporting creative professionals and on YouTube I'm I'm practicing um, whether or not I want to do that specifically for INTPs uh, I know that there are some INTPs that listen to this show and there are INTPs that have subscribed to me on uh, on, on YouTube and um, I'm starting to feel like that could be a little bit of a niche but uh Essentially, I want to talk to creative professionals, people who are, you know, a lot of the times we're working in solitary and a lot of the times we're having to navigate and manage things that don't come with an instruction manual. That's why we listen to podcasts all the time. That's why we watch YouTube videos. That's why we look for research and Google things all the time, because we're looking for some sort of instruction manual on how to do the next thing. And I talked about that on the previous episode about instruction manuals which I'm going to kind of further this topic as we go along as well, because the concept of us continuously looking for instruction manuals in life is really important because at some point we have to look for ourselves, look towards ourselves to write the instructions for our own life, you know, and that's really what talking about this lower, this little D depression is all about is that at some point you're going to have to manage the script. It's not about why is my doctor not giving me the right prescription or why am I, why is it that uh, uh, the fast food is the only thing that's accessible and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you still have choices, believe it or not. You have to make choices in your life, right? And if you're managing yourself as a creative person, like you have to manage your time. That's what being a professional is managing your time, managing your energy, managing your body, managing your food intake, managing your sleep, managing the types of clients that you work with and managing the amount of time you are spending on your work, right? And managing the relationships that you have with people so that you are not withholding things that bring about these neuroses that could eventually over time, if you're not managing these things, they can go from little D depression to big D depression, right? So one of the common themes that I've seen in terms of the transition from little D depression to big D depression is avoidance and avoidance like This is just me as a person seeing a pattern in people that I've spoken to, neurotypical people who have dealt with neuroses. The pattern that I've seen and that I've read and that I've experienced is avoidance. Avoidance will get someone from little d depression of dealing with all of these little d issues of managing conflict, managing time, managing energy, all of these things that I mentioned and avoiding doing the work. And when you avoid doing the work, your body responds, your body and your brain says, well, if you're not going to do this, then we're going to try to force this to happen. And then that's when big D depression comes into play. Does that make sense? I hope it does, because that's the stuff that I want to help people avoid. Because I think, I think we also assume that because, you know, that because you're not born with a mental illness, meaning you're not born with cyclothymia or something like that that you can't experience big D depression. And you definitely can. People who have PTSD did not have PTSD before they had PTSD. Does that make sense? Like they experienced something and then they had to, they were thrusted into big D depression. Now that's something you don't fully have control over, but, but something in terms of like bipolar disorder, like for me as a cyclothymic, I live in little D world, but if I do not manage myself, my neuroses, my energy, my time, my uh, alcohol intake, my, you know, things that could be bad for me, that could put me into bipolar disorder. And that is less controllable and far more dangerous, right? So 
it's important for anyone who is dealing with neurotypical behavior to realize that you are still susceptible, that if you are avoiding things, you might not have it as extreme as someone who is naturally prone to it, but you can still avoid dealing with the trauma of death and the trauma of something that has happened to you to an extreme and avoid that. And if you avoid that, that can lead to big D long-term depression issues that you are not conscious of, and it could affect your life in big long-term ways, right? We see that in movie all the, movies all the time. People have things that they're not addressing. They're not addressing uh, simply just talking to someone about an idea, and then they send themselves into a neurotic spiral. They start thinking about assumptions that someone's making about them, or they start, uh, they start getting into a place of just running in circles, essentially. And if you're running yourself in circles, then you're not getting, letting yourself get to a place where you can reconcile with that. And if you're not reconciling with things, your brain holds on to that. You know, you think of your brain as a file system. And if you're not clearing the junk out of your brain, then you're going to, your file system is going to get full <laughs> and you're not going to be able to efficiently operate as a person, right? That's really the best example that I can give, but it, I don't know. Another way you can think of it is too, is like, it's like having to uh, get, get like moisture out of your brain or something. I don't know. I don't have the best, like best example. <laughs> it's like, you know, your brain is literally holding space for these ideas that don't have anywhere to go. Right. I'm sure you've caught yourself going in circles. And another way to describe neuroses is, is going in circles. You're not making some sort of forward motion or action towards resolving something or, you know, even being aware that something needs to be worked on or resolved. It's kind of like the same thing as being aware that you don't want to be in a job anymore, but not making strides to change it. And then your brain subconsciously starts to apply stress. Like you can tell yourself consciously, you could tell yourself, oh, it'll be fine. I'll push through. I'll be, I'll be okay. But like, you you start to feel that over time you start to feel like you start to get snippier at people you start to get more tired more regularly maybe you start start eating uh in ways that are trying to satiate some sort of dopamine hit meaning you start eating unhealthy junk because it just tastes better and um you know you're you're trying to compensate for your brain not making for you as a conscious human being, not making the choice that you've already made. Like you can make a choice in your head, but there has to be an action associated with it, right? You can fantasize about having things, getting a new apartment, doing all sorts of fun stuff, all that you want. But if you're not taking action towards the things that you want, then it's going to lead to all sorts of neurotic, uh, unhappy behavior. It's like, constantly clawing at a window in front of an ice cream cone and you're like oh, i want the ice cream so bad <laughs> and then the only way you feel like you can fix it is to just like block your eyesight but it's still there you still got to find a way to go get it right so you can satisfy that craving using an ice cream cone is probably not the best example but <laughs> i think you i think you get what i'm trying to say here is the idea that that little d depression or even getting into little d depression can be the result of avoiding things and avoiding the actions that we know that our brain wants to take. That could mean getting rid of the client that we know is causing trouble for us. You know that that client that keeps emailing you back and giving you all sorts of revisions that you already told them you can't make 
but they insist or they keep coming back and saying like, I don't know why I don't like this logo, but I just don't like it. And you're just like, all right, well, I don't know. Why don't you just come back to me when you don't have, (laughs) or, or just, you know, most of the time the best clients to work with are people who kind of have an idea of what they want or either they have an idea of what they want or they can trust you. And if they can't do either of those things, then you got to let them go. Sometimes there are clients that, um, just are over your shoulder all the time. And if that's not a client that you're willing to work with, then you have to be willing to let them go. And then the stress of money can also be a problem that's making you hold on to these things, right? Making you hold on to a client, making you hold on to a job, etc., etc. But just like a client holding a space on your client list, if you are holding on to things that you are not willing to get rid of, then you can't make space for the new good things that you want to have in your life, right? So it it's it all stems from that. Little D depression and managing that is all about acknowledging the things that are going wrong that you need to change, that you need to adapt, that you need to shift and making statements or making rather um, steps towards fixing those things, being aware of them and taking action towards them. Does that make sense? If not, if you're not managing that, if you're not managing you know, that you need more sleep or that your family needs more attention from you or that you need more love from your family or you need more love from your clients or that you need a relationship or you want to be in a happy relationship with someone, but you're not willing to take a shower. Well, whose problem is that? (laughs) You get to manage all of that stuff. So all of that little D neuroses issues, all the problems that you feel like you're having in life, It starts with assessing what you can do for yourself. And if you don't find ways to manage that, that can lead to big D issues that will need to be managed with time, energy, money, clinical stuff, um, and could have all sorts of dangerous repercussions if you're not taking active charge of your life to better these things. I hope that all makes sense. All right. Ooh, that was kind of preachy. I didn't mean to, (laughs) but you know, this is, this is all stuff that I picked up at the event. When I was talking to a lot of people, it's like, we're all here because there's something that we're trying to manage in our life, uh, right? We're trying to manage our own reactions to other people. We want to learn how other people are behaving. We want to learn how we can get back on track if something derailed us in life. And sometimes cognitive functions and Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram and all that stuff is a great way to do that. Sometimes people use astrology or chakras or tarot cards to try to prompt themselves to figure out what their emotional state is and figure out what to do. But just like learning Myers-Briggs, you can learn about cognitive functions and all these things all you want. But if you're not taking the things that you have identified and learning to do something with them, then none of it means anything. You can learn and research and take in all the data you want, but if you're not actively creating something, then it's just rotting in your brain and going to waste. So put something out there and learn how to just go claim the life that you want. It's really where it's at. So that's it. Thanks for joining me on episode 300. (laughs) I hope that was motivating in some stance. It is for me. I think it's been really helpful for me to understand the difference between little D depression and big D depression and realizing that I have a lot more control than I think I do. And that um, I'm not necessarily living on this fine line as much as I thought I was either. 
that I can still manage my neuroses and all of, and my mood disorder without having to live such an extremely strict life. But as long as I'm acknowledging what my needs are and addressing them and, um, you know, just, just not living in an avoidance scarcity kind of world, then I can go towards great things and I can help people and do all this stuff. So that's it for today. I hope you guys go check out the website, dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.life. If you want to leave a rating and review for this show, that would be absolutely amazing. I would love positive reviews, but hey, negative reviews are cool too. That's totally fine. I appreciate feedback. Just don't be a jerk. If you're going to be a jerk, then just like make a self-assessment first. Like, why do I want to be a jerk to this person? Did he say something? Does his voice sound weird? Uh, is, is this a taste thing or is this like a feedback thing, right? I would appreciate your feedback more than anything. If you didn't like the show because of a production thing or you feel like I'm being a jerk, then that's fine. I appreciate the feedback. <laughs> but if you're just going to be like, nah, no, I don't like anything, then don't bother. Go away. <laughs> I don't need your subscription. Stop it. <laughs> the world does not revolve around you. Sorry. Go fix your life. Go take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. Um, if you guys want to check out the cosmic calibration course, which is all about helping INTPs find a sense of joy and spirituality and open up their minds a little bit more, uh, then you can go to bit.ly slash cosmic INTP, all lowercase and, uh, go check that out. That's something I'm still actively working on, but right now the pre-order price is up there and it's going to go up by 75% when I'm done the course. So you can pre-order now and you'll get live updates as to when the things get updated. It's going to be about 15 segments, one hour each. And um, it's just going to be a lot of juicy information. It's basically just me talking podcast style about things I've learned as an INTP, uh, a creative INTP in particular, and how to find optimism and stick with it and appreciate life and experience joy and never be bored because I'm, I'm not bored, which is great. So, um, all right. So thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to the show for 300 episodes. I don't know if you've listened to all 300 episodes, but like 300 episodes, like I'm proud of it and I'm glad to have done this and I'm glad that you're listening and you're a part of this with me. So I just am grateful and we'll continue to do this show for, I don't know, as long as it makes sense. So going forward, a lot of this show is going to transition into more creative discussions. Uh, I'm going to throw in some mental health stuff in there too. It is about managing neuroses and making sure that we're not selling ourselves short uh, in any capacity. But, um, and we might sprinkle in some INTP content and I want to see what resonates. So I also changed the, uh, the category of the show to art and the description is more about mental health support for creative professionals. So Maybe that'll do something. If you're new to the show and you were attracted to any of those changes, I would love to know if this is working. Uh, you can hit me up at Let's Go See Notes on all the social channels, particularly Twitter and Instagram, and we can chat there. If you have any questions, hit me up, all that good stuff. So that's it. I'm rambling for way too long. I will catch you guys on the other side, not the death other side, but just on the other, the next episode, the, ne- the next episode. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.
This has been a C-Note Media production. Just a reminder for you guys to go check out EM Media and Video by calling 267-528-7890. They are a way for you to do cheap commercial production uh, for video and for audio. They do voiceovers and can help you get into the market. So they primarily work in Philadelphia, but they can help you anywhere across the country. So again, 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. See you guys. Thank you.